0: going on it is the ethos clippers podcast and it is playoff time the clippers and the suns getting ready to square off in round number one on sunday we don't know if it's afternoon we don't know if it's evening we'll find that out at a later date but we do know that it is time to break this series down from a to z from kd all the way down to bones highland and who better to have back on the Ethos Clippers podcast, then my buddy, at YoungMBA on Twitter, you know him by the name of Shane Young. You also know him by the basketball god, according to Devin Booker. Devin says, you know hoops to Shane Young, so if he knows hoops, he damn well is good enough. To be the guy on this podcast that breaks down this Suns clipper series. You see him tweeting about the Suns all the time. He'll go and retweet you if you try and bash him, if you go after his ballot, if you go after Nikola Jokic or Embiid, if you go after the Suns, he will make sure to retweet you and make your life a living hell. He's Shane Young back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Shane, how are you, my friend? My goodness, that was epic. Just epic,
1: Brandon. I, I will say I'm doing fine. Um, but counterpoint to the Devin Booker thing, what if he doesn't know ball? Therefore, he's saying I know ball, which we both we neither of us know ball.
0: I think it's safe to say he knows ball. He he I mean he's okay. he, he's a good enough basketball player. I think just the eye <laughs> test kind of confirms that one that he's decent at basketball. I mean, if he's not good at basketball, that'd be great. That would help the Clippers a lot. But, great for the Clippers. Yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens. Uh, I mean, hopefully. I, but
1: Yeah, man. I mean, my week has been or my first 2 days of this week have been crazy. Like I'm just tired of getting called a moron, uh, idiot. Uh, <laughs> don't know basketball. Don't watch the game. Watch the Nuggets. Uh, do you know how valuable Giannis is? Just because I picked Embiid, which I've shifted my pick in MVP um, all year, it was Jokic. But, like, man, when I put that article out, like, n- zero people decided to actually read it instead of, you know, b- before it started coming at me. About why I picked uh, the wrong guy.
0: I mean, let's be honest, Shane. If you post a picture, that's all people are going to look at, and you posted the ballot and they're not going to read the article. But I want to say something I find very funny. You have to be one of the nicest human beings in the world. But if someone goes after you on Twitter and posts an opinion that you disagree with, you can be the meanest human being. In the world, when you are on one side, and on this one, you have been on the Jokic side for the entire season. If, oh, someone, if yeah. someone came at you that was a 76ers fan and called you an idiot for thinking that Embiid could be the MVP, you went after them. But you have flip flop, my friend.
1: You got to the crux of the issue, though, because they called you an idiot. I think if you, if, yes. if you respond to my mentions in a normal human being manner, like you have some common sense— uh, instead of talking to someone like
0: you would over the internet instead of just in the streets <laughs> or something like yeah, then we can talk Oh, man, it's funny. I, I just think it's funny because uh, it's not the the nice comments that you'll retweet most of the time You did actually do retweet a couple of those today um, But if someone comes after you it is very enjoyable And the one thing that you do is that when you believe in one thing you will certainly hammer it home And you believed in the Suns for a very long time, especially since they got kd Let's not forget that this is the same Suns team that you believed very heavily in last year before they lost to the Mavs. Oh, yeah. So you have been proven wrong before. Uh, so let's get straight into this series because this is going yeah. to be one that people who have listened to this podcast know that I've been very down on this team for the entire season, even after wins. I mean, they won two games this weekend, and I came on this podcast and I said I'm disappointed in this team. There's no reason that they should have had to fight against some crap lineups that Portland and Phoenix threw out them over the weekend. And so God knows what they're going to do against a team that has Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. And so I have said that I don't know if the Clippers have a chance in this series. Now, that being said, let's start with this. The one thing that may be in the Clippers' favor, and we'll start with some positive stuff, is that... I understand people wanted Sacramento because it's the Sacramento Kings. But Sacramento's young. Sacramento's quick. Do you think it it helps the Clippers at all that Phoenix is a little bit slower, a little more methodical, not as athletic? They don't have as much juice flying up and down the court. Could that be something perhaps that could help the Clippers out, knowing how bad their transition defense is? Is that something that could perhaps help the Clippers?
1: I totally get the sentiment of, you know, um young legs, fresh legs. You, you, the, the Kings best lineups include so many like incredible athletes compared to what the Clippers have, right? I mean, and I know a couple other media members that cover the Clippers were were saying you know Sacramento should be the goal there. Um I I kind of feel like or no, they said they they said Sac- Sacramento shouldn't be the goal because of that reason here. Sorry, I, I misspoke, but yeah. I kind of feel like you're, you're in a no-win territory regardless because going up to Sacramento and playing, like, I, I feel like, yeah, that is true. The, the athleticism is going to get, gonna get uh, the best of you. What I would say about, like, you know, wanting the Suns because they're slower, more methodical, it's more that the Clippers' style is that I think the Suns make way, way fewer mistakes. And they're more experienced, for one. Uh, they got the veteran savvy because of, uh, certain guys in the starting lineup um, and their head coach, I, I, I kind of feel as if you can take advantage of Sacramento's youth and, and experience. And I, and I'm not always someone that's going to be like, Hey, this team's going to lose in the first round just because they haven't been there before. Like Sacramento could beat the Warriors. I've I not, I haven't picked that series. I have no idea, but I would trust the Clippers maybe forcing more turnovers against the Kings taking advantage of them not being there and ready for that moment. Kawhi, who's played in, what, maybe 90, 100 playoff games? Maybe I'm overstating that. I don't know. But a lot of playoff games compared to these guys. And and I kind of feel like Ty Lu would get the best of that coaching matchup um, against a team like Phoenix with Durant, who is by far the best player out of anyone on Phoenix and Sacramento. You know, if you have a choice, I, I just, I've, I've always been a believer you take the – The lesser talented team man so I I think they would have fared better against Sacramento although as you say and I agree it would have been tough because of the legs
0: yeah here's one thing that um, I just want to put out there once again I put out there on the last pod as well that there's been a lot of debate about the Clippers and should they have lost that game on Sunday that's nonsense it it, it is nonsense and I agree with you and I want to reiterate the point that I have been saying all season, everyone who's been listening to this podcast knows that I've been saying all season, the Clippers need to avoid the play-in because of the amount of minutes that you would put on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and Paul George obviously Mm -hmm. is hurt now, but the amount of minutes that would go on those guys during a game either today, Wednesday, and then if they, God forbid, lost that game, another one on Friday, it would kill you going Mm -hmm. into a first-round matchup. So I'm really happy the Clippers at least have a week off where Kawhi Leonard is going to be rested. And so let's get straight into the matchup that everyone's going to be talking about. And that is Kawhi Leonard versus Kevin Durant. Kawhi has been playing out of his mind. He certainly looks like the Kawhi Leonard that we knew and loved before he tore his ACL. Kevin Durant is 8-0 as a member of the Suns when he plays. This is clearly a very good Suns team. We know KD is certainly one of the best players in the NBA. You've posted a ton of videos recently that whatever you do against him, he'll find a way, whether it's a jumper over you, whether it's going and attacking the hoop, whether it's a three-pointer in transition, whether it's finding drawing fouls, the, drawing fouls fa- finding the open man, he'll do it. Uh, I'm curious how you think the Clippers are going to guard KD, and if you even can guard KD. And on the other end, how will the Suns guard Kawhi Leonard? Because... I don't think that Kawhi is going to draw the KD assignment out of the gate. I would be a little bit surprised by that because of how much he's going to need to do offensively. It's certainly possible, but I think I would see Batum on him to start, and then we'll see how things go. Um, How do you see that matchup shaping out?
1: Yeah, I think if Tai wants to be like different, because everyone, I think everyone is expecting what you and I um, are expecting as a Batum, or you know, a, a wing on him. Uh, God forbid Rocco gets gets put in yeah, <laughs> put in God the rotation forbid. here, yeah. but uh, yeah, a, a wing not named Kawhi on uh, on Durant. I think that's what we're expecting. But man, seeing how they dropped the first two games in every in literally every series they played in the 2021 playoffs, it wouldn't shock me if. Kawhi just starts out on him. Just to see how it goes, you know. I mean, if if it comes down to like, you know, Kawhi doesn't have the energy or he kind of wants to to rotate responsibility between him and Batum, then do that. Um me personally, like I I would put Kawhi on him just cuz I don't want to mess her I want to try to steal one of these games. And I just feel like um Kawhi has looked awesome defensively. He, his hands are still ridiculous. I feel like he can really bother KD. I think I think the thing with Durant is and maybe you saw the same thing during the Boston series if he starts a game hot, I think he's going to finish hot. And I think he's going to be incredible throughout the game. I think when he struggles, as we saw in the Minnesota game a couple weeks ago, and there's another game might've been against Denver. I can't remember what game it was, but like if he isn't finding a rhythm out of the gate and in, in the first half, like you can kind of, I wouldn't say get in his head, but like it, it, it's noticeably tougher for him throughout the game. Um, when he has these, you know, Fifteen point quarters in the first half, like that's when you're in trouble. Um, you give someone like that more confidence that he can just do whatever he wants. So I would put Kawhi on, but but I'm gonna go with you. I I, I think they'll go in uh, with I almost said Embiid <laughs> with, with Batum. They'll go with Batum um, there to, to guard him at first. But more interestingly for me is what does Zubots do? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm just thrilled by. Do they put? Do they continue to do? Do they put him against Aiden, and then obviously um, you you want to match that up, or put him on like a Josh Okogie in some lineups, and and not guard him? Uh, you know, we've seen that with whether it was Russell Westbrook on the on the Lakers during those matchups, and and Z so would do that, or I guess you, whatever non-shooters on the floor, can kind of help off in Rome and clog up the paint. Um, I, I, I'm I'm so curious by what we see with that because. Uh, I think I tweeted out, like, you know, the, the most important player in the series is Aiton because of of how he's going to combat the different coverages of different lineups. But, um, yeah, I mean, that that's how I feel about that. And, yeah, I, I believe you asked me about Kawhi and, and what he does and, and how the Suns defend that. Um, how do you feel about this? For me personally, I think Kawhi is just so much easier— for someone to you know he's an incredible superstar, but he but he I think he's so much easier for someone to guard for a team like Phoenix to guard because he's not gonna beat you north to south. Yeah. Like a Kogi and Craig, can they stop Kawhi Leonard? No. He's gonna draw fouls. He's he's and that's the big thing. That's how the that's how the Clippers win this series or at least make it close, is like he's got to average his uh same free throw rate that he did in that 2019 that that bubble playoff run right? where he was getting to the line like 13, 14 times, man. It was ridiculous. Um but he, he's going to overpower those guys, but but I think you match up like that. You don't put like KD or someone, one of your stars on him because, honestly, he doesn't require that much energy uh, hmm. and speed-wise.
0: Interesting. Uh, interesting that you, you bring that up, that it, you wouldn't put a guy like KD who's got the length against him. And you know what? It's interesting because I, I am very curious what the Clippers do in this series when it comes to their offense. And I talked about it very briefly on the last podcast. And the one thing that's concerned me this year, Shane, is that whenever Kawhi or PG is out of the lineup and it's just the one guy on the floor and a team really wants to stop you, the double teams that they throw at Mm -hmm. the one star player really throws off the Clippers offense and puts a lot of pressure on the role players to make shots. And I think there's going to be a very big emphasis on guys like Eric Gordon and Nick Batum hitting their shots early. Because if the Clippers struggle like they have in the last couple of games, and especially those two who did not shoot well over the weekend, then the Clippers have an ability now to fall behind by a lot early on. Because the Suns can get hot, Kawhi can get bottled up by a couple of players that will go get thrown at him. And then there's obviously Zoo, like you mentioned, but Westbrook, who knows? I mean Westbrook's going to be a wild card in this one. But that's my big concern. Do you think that makes sense that the Clippers could be in some big trouble offensively if Phoenix really just commits everybody at Kawhi Leonard?
1: Absolutely. And it's something that uh, I've, I've come to think about like I think I think even Justin I think even Justin Wilson was saying like the the Clippers offense is way more of a of a uh, battle like it's way more of a uh, a point of contention for the series like if if the Clippers offense is what we've seen in other playoff games where you know they get hot they they uh, swing the ball around you know drive quick drive kick swing and, and create open threes then yeah like they're going to be able to, the, to compete with Phoenix but I don't really worry about the Clippers defensively as much because they're physical. They're you know they're they're long. They, they have so many wings. They can they can kind of rotate in and out and 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 get uh feisty with 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 the Suns team, who as you said is not very fast. They they play a slower half court style. It's more so like you said, does Monty Williams throw traps at Kawhi? Mm-hmm. You don't have Paul George on the second side. You don't have PG waiting for that trap to happen. Whether it's uh, spotting up and and hoping you know Russ can kind of. Uh, put push the pressure and then kick out for open threes to PG and and so on and so forth or it's PG as the the guy that's roaming down the lane whenever there's a there's a trap going on. So um I think we've seen uh, we've seen Zoo do a really good job of of handling those situations where if Kawhi draws two to the ball, he's going to find his shooters or just go and dunk it on somebody. Um, my issue is I, I don't I don't really know if – I don't know if the Suns are a team that sends a lot of traps. In the games I've watched, they, they're more conservative. Hmm. They don't like doing that, and if they did that, I think it would be against someone like Luka if they met him again because Luka is a – just an absolute nightmare. You know that from the first uh, two series they played against the Clippers. Like hmm. that guy can pick apart any coverage. I don't know if they would do it against Kawhi. They would probably want to force Kawhi to beat them one-on-one.
0: Yeah, I, I think that will be interesting. I'll, I'll be curious to see if they do guard him one on one initially, yeah, and to, if they to, your do point, to
1: your to your point. I think I think Norm Powell. This Clippers team is way more equipped, like like incredibly more equipped to beat those scenarios. Yeah, because who, in 2021, who did you have to to create plays in four on threes uh, on the backside uh, on offense, except for you know Reggie? Uh, Rondo, like that was it, right? I mean, Terrence, I mean, now uh, you got Norm, who's just way better than those guys. Uh, Terrence is still there. Russ has been doing this for 15 years now. Like, you know, he's he's seen KD up close and personal get trapped in Oklahoma City, and he's had to make plays out of that. So this team, hey, if the Suns trap, I think the Clippers are going to score a lot of points per possession. And... I I would not that I think that's how they extend the series. Um, I just don't see the Suns doing that, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does make sense. And I think three point shooting is going to be very pivotal in this series. And it's silly to say that because, of course, I mean, threes are more than twos. But I I think the Clippers are going to have to spread the ball around and they're going to have to get in the paint and kick and make that extra pass. And guys like Batum and Gordon and Powell are going to have to do well from three And if the Clippers don't shoot well from three, they'll struggle. I mean, you look at the games over the weekend when they were missing their shots from distance. It was a close game when they started making them. All of a sudden they pulled away. And so the three ball is going to be pivotal in this series for the Clippers. And they've certainly got guys that they can bring in and that can make threes. You can even add guys like Bones Highland. So to me, I think the three ball is the most important thing for the Clippers on offense. Would you agree or do you think something else?
1: Oh, on offense absolutely like if you don't get up you need to get up 43 to game i think if there's a game now maybe it's just because the pace or the tempo maybe you know the game's slower in the playoffs but honestly like I, just to be concrete about it like I, I might even i'll probably tweet this out in a preview if i do it but like if they're below 43 point attempts in any of these games like you're you're losing it's a failure in my opinion like mm-hmm. and, and they they even know that like ty has said that so many times post game like we know we're at our best when we're hitting the paint with two feet, kicking out, spraying out for threes. Okay, if you know that internally, um, then you should be getting up those kind of threes all the time. Not, you, you know, it's cute whenever they shoot 55% from three on, you know, 28 attempts. But it would be even deadlier if you shot like 45% on 45 attempts. You know, so so I, I kind of feel like, I, I kind of feel like they need to get the volume up, and and I, I think they will. It, it's just a matter of. Is Russ going to continue hitting at the clip? Do do you trust that? I mean, personally, I don't. No. I I think regression is coming hard. Um, But then again, to to counteract that is Norm, who has been looking awesome. Like, I can't say enough good things about Norm
0: lately. Yeah, well, Norm was unbelievable this weekend. The reason why the Clippers are where they are right now is because of Norm. He was absolutely tremendous, and he got to the hoop. And more importantly, he drew a lot of fouls, and he was able to get to the line – and get those easy buckets that the Clippers struggled to get. I mean, they, they needed to get those easy points, and he was able to attack and get those points that the Clippers needed. So we'll see what he's able to do in this series, but he's certainly going to be pivotal. Um, obviously, you did mention earlier 2021. This is a rematch of the Western Conference Finals. The Clippers lost that in six. I, I believe I said in the last podcast that went five, um, but the Clippers did lose in six. They won game five. PG carried that team in that Mm -hmm. series, obviously, but he's out now because there is no Kawhi. It's also important to note that there was no Zoo either, um, I believe, in game six because he got hurt. So the Mm -hmm. Clippers, it's useless, by the way, first of all, to look at that series because these are two completely different teams. And it's useless to look at what happened between these two teams this season. Because when you add Kevin Durant into the mix, it just changes things so much. And you had Chris Paul who was hurt. You had Booker who's been hurt during the season. But now everybody's healthy. And that's the one thing you could ask for is health. And Phoenix certainly has it on their side now. We we mentioned KD versus Kawhi. You briefly touched on Ayton versus Zoo. So let's talk about that one. Because Zoo has been very good um, of late, and frankly, this whole season. I mean, we, you and I have talked about it. That if you take away PG and Kawhi, then there are times where you could say Zoo is probably the third most important Clipper. And there was a game where he played 33 minutes, I believe it was against the Lakers, um, and the Clippers did very well. I mean, he needs to get up to that 30 plus minutes in the postseason, especially if Ayton's going to be on the floor because Plumlee's not good enough to defend Ayton one on one, and you're going to need Zoo on the floor. How do you see that matchup stacking up? Because I think that one actually does favor Zoo mm-hmm. in that he is a very good one-on-one defender, and he has shown that he has developed into a very solid offensive player as well, especially if you look at the pick and roll with him and Kawhi. And also, if you look at what Russ has meant to him in terms of finding him in good spaces, delivering him good passes, I think that matchup does favor the Clippers slightly. How do you see that see that one shaking out?
1: So a- Aiden's had a weird up and down year. I mean, there's times that he looks, um, you know, five or ten times better than last year, um, and there's times that you're you're like, man, is he even on the floor. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you would you would swear that that Phoenix is playing small because he's not really a part of it. Um, I kind of I, I feel like the Durant presence is lighting a fire under him to the point where I, I feel like they needed someone to come in. I know Chris has been there for what, three years or three or four years now, whatever it is, three years. And um, I feel like, you know, he's, he's been the strong voice that's kind of got into D a, but I think they needed someone else to come in and say, Hey, you could, you could be even better than what you have been like, you know, they're not really feeding you the ball enough. And I think Durant has done a good job of, of hitting them on rolls, making sure he's open, you know, Phoenix runs their double drag with, with uh, Devin Booker uh, coming off two screens And it's either eight and rolling, and Katie popping, or Katie's in the weak side corner. I think both of them play so well off of each other, and it's going to be a a handful for for Zoo to handle. Just a lot of responsibility, a lot of space to cover whenever the Phoenix spreads you out that way with Katie in the corner. Um, But I I think Zoo has. I'm kind of with you. I think Zoo has a little bit of advantage in the fact that. as long as he doesn't get into foul trouble, right? Because mm-hmm. I could see scenarios where Da like is down there and he's so physical and he is drawing two fouls on Zoo in the first few, you know, for first four or so minutes, and and it kind of like then you're in, then Ty is automatically forced with the decision of like, do I play Plumley or do I go small? Like, what do I do? Then you kind of get wonky with the lineup. So I think as long as Zoo just stays his ground and doesn't get um, overly Physical to where he's fouling a lot. Um, and he by the way, he, Zoo complains every every call now. He yeah, well he does get hacked. Done, he doesn't get a great whistle. He complains after every single call.
0: He doesn't get a great whistle, yeah. Shane. I mean he he really You're has right. he's gotten hacked several times in the last couple of weeks, and nothing's been called. He does not get treated like a superstar center. <laughs> Um, Which, I mean, he's obviously not a superstar center, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. he gets none of those 50-50 calls. There are times where he's absolutely destroyed, he doesn't get the call. So I understand part (laughs) of that. And now he's just getting frustrated when that stuff happens.
1: Oh yeah, I'm more so, like, that. that is true, I'm more so thought of, like, when I'm thinking about that, it's it's on the defensive end whenever he, he thinks he goes straight up, but oh, he yeah. does go kind of perpendicular with his arms, it's like...
0: Well, no one's man, committed a foul. Like, no one's ever committed a foul in their lives.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, on the other side of that coin, though, like, imagine if if Zoo is down there being a beast that we know he can be, but he doesn't always show it, and he draws two two quick fouls on Aiden, mm-hmm. or gets Aiden in foul trouble in the third quarter, then... Monty has to play jock Landale. It, who knows about Biz MacPiambo's situation? That looked rough the second to last game of the season when he got hurt against the Lakers, I believe. So I don't know if he'll be back, but um he's he's a small center anyway. Um but you know, then it's like, oh my God, we haven't seen the Suns like ever in this Monty Williams era, and I mean ever, go small in the playoffs. I mean, they've always had a back bit back up big, like Imagine Katie at the five. Mm. So I, I don't, I don't even know, man. But I, I, do think like they'll start obviously like Zoo and and Aiden on each other. I don't think they'll get weird with the matchup. But I am looking for. I, I thought about this. Tell me what you think about this. Like, Kawhi is physical. He, you can't move him in the post. And I think he's disciplined to not draw fouls. He, re, he's really in foul trouble. Like, what do, what do you think about putting him on Aiden, on, on a few, on some possessions, maybe even to start. And having Zoo on on that corner guy that's – if you want to help off and dare him to shoot. I mean that's just one way to muck up the spacing of Phoenix is to put Zoo on the on the non-shooter um, and and have Kawhi on Aiden. I think we saw a little bit of that in some of the matchups.
0: Yeah, I think that's certainly possible. And I think it really depends who that guy is, right? I mean yeah, you look at what Phoenix has been able to roll out and they've got a couple of different guys they can put in that position. And they haven't really been able to play many of the, their normal starters. But it, it, you look at Okoge, you look at Craig, and even Terrence Ross, um, but you just you go yeah. with the guy, you can hit shots. And Okoge's a guy that doesn't really hit a ton of them. He's not a great shooter. I mean, you look at mm-hmm. for the season, he's shooting 39%, shooting 33.5% from three, whereas Torrey Craig this season – um, is shooting 45.5% and close to 40% from three. So I think it really depends who's starting in that spot and who's playing in that yeah. spot because you can't really hide Zoo against a good three-point shooter. But if someone's going to struggle from deep, I mean, you just look at what Gobert obviously did, um, <laughs> then it certainly changes things and, and it it helps the Clippers out. But I think you make a really good point yeah, that, with the, th- with the that, small that's ball. That's so fascinating. Go ahead. Oh, no. You About the small ball. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Because finish what you're uh, going to say and then I'll bring up the small ball.
1: It's so it's so fascinating that Phoenix has this decision of Craig, the better shooter on paper. Mm-hmm. But but oh, kogi has been red hot since I think, you know, maybe Feb, maybe like February 15th or something like that. I think he's shooting maybe 38, 39 percent. Don't quote me from three, but um, I think it's around there. Or, or or do you go you know stick with a Kogi who is the way better offensive rebounder and has been creating so many extra possessions for the Suns, and and I think that's where the Clippers lose this series. If you allow, it's kind of like the 17 Warriors, 17 18 Warriors, which I hate to compare this team to that because this Suns team is not that, um, but. If you give them extra possessions, you're done. Like, you're just done. You, you need to win the possession battle. And and Akogi is, I think he has one of the highest offensive re- rebounding rates of any guard we've seen. Or any wing guard we've seen. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And, and so, to touch on what you're saying with the small ball, um, you think about that. And that's my biggest fear with the Clippers, is that they go to the small ball too often because they have a guy like Zoo. But if Zoo's in foul trouble, then it makes a lot more sense to go to the small ball. But The small ball, if you get an eight and in foul trouble, certainly scares the crap out of you more on the Suns side than it does the Clippers side. I mean, the Clippers, they go ahead and they roll out Batum or Covington in there, and even Marcus Morris, if he happens to come back for the series and he's used. Well, like you said, the Suns can go KD at the five, and then that really scares you because you don't know what else they could do. Um, If they can bring in a guy like Terrence Ross, for example, who could really get hot in a series – so, it, it mm-hmm. scares me if the Suns go big, Suns go small more so than the Clippers going small. So, foul trouble, I think, will be a really interesting thing to watch when it comes to this Ayton versus Zoo matchup. So, I'm glad you brought that up because you know those two guys are very physical and the Clippers are physical as a team. So, foul trouble will certainly be interesting to watch with those two. So, good point there.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, what it comes down to Phoenix, I, just, I feel like a lot of people. You know, I, I get like you have to be uh, confident in your team if you're if you're a Clippers fan or you know you cover the Clippers like you 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 think this could be a, a awesome back and forth series like I, I do too I I think I think I know what I'm gonna pick but like I, I I kind of feel like a lot of the Clippers people are underestimating or I think they're looking at the eight game sample of like who they played. Uh, which was not, a, let's be honest, it was not good competition uh, that the, the Suns played with Durant. But a couple of good games in there. Uh, you know, I think Dallas was still the fact that they outshot Dallas like that in Dallas on the road um, on a national TV game. Like like it that was meaningful to me. Um, the fact that they could get that hot and, and beat a team that that was just uh, matching their intensity on offense. Um, But I think, you know, with Durant, they have played 550 possessions and they are. Plus 11.6 per 100. That's awesome. 98th percentile in the league. Like, I, I kind of feel like people should think about how how they're getting open and how they're getting shots versus who they've played. Because I, I would argue the same shots that they're that they got against you know whether it's San Antonio or the the Skeleton Nuggets or Charlotte. Pick your uh, the the Bulls. Pick your opponent that you thought was weak. I think those same shots are going to be there against the Clippers.
0: Yeah, uh, the Clippers' defense has just been awful all year. That's certainly one thing that really concerns me. So it kind of leads into the the next matchup that I really want to break down, and it's a guy that I know you love, and that's Chris Paul. And he has shot the ball terribly this year with a caveat that he has been much better in the last couple of weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. He has shot the ball very well from three. I don't know where all of a sudden he has found his stroke, but it's there now. And he's a guy that can be a menace in a playoff series because of how he's able to operate in offense. And we've seen that firsthand with the Clippers. So you look at the Westbrook versus Paul matchup, and I'm curious how you think Westbrook will do defensively against Chris Paul. Because Paul's a guy that can bait the hell out of guys um, and get switches onto whoever he wants, which is certainly a concern. So I'm curious when you look at the defensive side, because that's going to be pivotal. That's part of the reason why they got Westbrook is because of his ability to be a good defender and also a good rebounder on the defensive glass as well. How do you think Mm -hmm. Westbrook will do against Chris Paul on the defensive side?
1: So I think he's going to do, I think Russ is going to have the advantage on that side of the floor because Chris is not blowing by him. He's not even getting an advantage. He's not getting any foot advantage on him. Like, Russ is still way faster than obviously 38 year old Chris Paul, way faster. Um, But I think where people get lost and they think about, oh, like, Russ is better than Chris at this point. Like, he's way more athletic. He's going to win that matchup. Therefore, the Clippers have that in the bag, like, in terms of that matchup. Like, what I would say is, I really, really fear that Russ is going to struggle in terms of, like, the screen navigation. Mm-hmm. Phoenix has a lot of hard, uh, good hard screens up, up top. Like, Chris is not going to have to go by Russ. He's going to bury Russ on a screen because uh, there's no one better in history, in my opinion, of manipulating your guy into that screen. He's going to make sure Russ gets hit by Aiden or or KD, whoever it is. And I, we, I think we are going to see the, the theatrics, the... uh the rip throughs, the baiting fouls, like like I think we're gonna see some chippiness, you know, maybe later on in the series, you know, ha- like the Pat Bev stuff didn't really flare up until the end of that uh, series in twenty twenty one, but uh, I think we are gonna see some of that, some of that aggression and, and tenacity to come out and and tempers might flare, but um, on the other end, I, that that's more fascinating to me is it, can the Clippers. Can can the Clippers take advantage of Chris Ball every possession? And what does that look like? Does it look like picking on him every time to how, slow down? How has
0: he been defensively this your game season? Because I haven't watched that many to, Suns games. To, yeah. How many? How has he been it, defensively? Sorry to cut you off because. Oh I, no, you're good. You're how good. how has he been? Because I haven't seen a ton of Suns games this year. How has Chris looked on the defensive side?
1: I would say if last year, and this is my opinion, uh, I, I think if last year was like an eight out of ten. think this year's like a like a six or seven Mm -hmm. I think he's been a little bit worse because of the age um because he doesn't really want to turn it up until the until the fourth quarter but the instincts are always to me as someone that loves watching defense like I think the instincts and knowing where to be and what to do and where to rotate that's always going to make up for the speed to me and it ain't like he's a he's out there like a snail like he can still get around so um it's more so. Do you want to slow down your offense? Do you want to call his man up? Do you want to, Do you want Kawhi and and Russ to run? You know, twenty five ball screens in this game to pick on, um, to pick on CP. And is Kawhi just gonna settle for mid range jumpers over him? Which, yeah, he could hit, but that's like a forty four percent shot, right? So then it kind. Of, you see what I'm saying? Like it's it's really fascinating. Do the Clippers do that? Or do they try to just run their normal stuff and create threes that way? Because as you and I both just said, like they need to win the math battle. I don't think you do that picking on Chris Paul. Am I wrong?
0: Yeah. I just worry that the Clippers just it, on that side of the ball, when they have the ball offensively with Westbrook, if you try and pick on Chris Paul and let's say that you are able to get a switch, then I see the ball going back to Russ a lot. I mean, let's say that they get the switch. Yeah. He passes it off. And then you, you get him back, you give him the ball back in three-point territory. And then he has to attack the hoop. And so I think the only reason, or the only way that you can really take advantage of that Chris Paul matchup is if Russell Westbrook is aggressive going to the basket. Because if he's going to sit there and he's going to shoot the ball from 12 feet out, then you're helping Chris Paul and you're helping in the Phoenix Suns defense. Whereas if you're able to attack the hoop, not only are you Hurting Chris Paul because he'll try and get back and he'll reach in to try and get a steal and draw f- and get a foul, but you're also attacking Aiton at the same time because he's in the painted area yeah. and that opens more looks for Zoo because the more you attack the hoop, the more you're able to shovel it off to Zoo or get Aiton to come for a double team if Chris Paul is right there and he gets slightly beaten then that opens up looks for Zoo and that also can open up a look for somebody in the corner for a three point shot so i think the only way that you can really take advantage of that matchup is if Westbrook is the facilitator finding either Zoo or finding someone in the open corner mm-hmm. that, that, that's how i yeah, see
1: that's how i am too like like if you if you want to hunt Chris just so you can get a, an advantage and then you create shots from there. As you say, like Russ as the facilitator downhill after you created the advantage on Chris Paul, like that, that'll work. Um, I just, I, I hope for the Clippers sake, they don't grind this game down and and try to go possession for possession. You know, I think they have to really win the math and the, and the rebounding has to be um, like not a big difference. I think Phoenix is going to win the rebounding margin just because they have incredible offensive rebounders. It, it's unreal. Like their numbers this year are absurd. Um, Clippers don't, to to my knowledge, I don't think the Clippers really go after them as much. Like, I don't think they get as much, but, um, also like we talk about battlegrounds for the series, like turnovers, (laughs) you're talking about Chris Paul, uh, career turnover rate at like, you know, what? 11, 12% um, versus what Russell Westbrook, like 18, 19%. Like that could decide the series too.
0: Yeah. And that's a good point because we talked about the 43, so the Clippers need to get up. And if you commit the turnovers on the offensive end, that's one less shot that you can get up every single time you commit turnovers. And that's certainly a focus for the Clippers. We mentioned the three ball. I think the second thing is turnovers because that was when they were really in a rut during the middle of the seasons when they're turning it over a bunch. And that was a problem. And it it doesn't take a a rocket scientist to figure out that every time you turn over the basketball, it's one less shot that you're getting up on the offensive end and against a team like Phoenix, Phoenix, you need to get as many shots up as possible because mm-hmm. they're going to get their shots up and they're going to make a lot of them, especially when they've got guys like KD, like Chris Paul, like Ayton and then lastly, like Devin Booker. And that leads me into the last guy for Phoenix I want to talk about. And it's not really a matchup on the Clippers end versus um, the Suns end, but I just want to talk about Booker in general because it feels like yeah. when you talk about the matchups, we talked about Kawhi versus KD, we talked about Russ versus CP, we talked about Ayton versus Zoo, it's Booker versus question mark. I mean, Eric Gordon's mm-hmm. now in the starting lineup. It would be Booker versus PG, but that's not the case now. So I feel like that is going to be a massive advantage for Phoenix is that Booker kind of feels like the forgotten man. And you talked about how it difficult it was for you to leave him off. I believe of your three, your, you left yeah. him off right on the uh, all NBA teams.
1: I left him off. I think he lost the tiebreaker in terms of, um, uh games played that's I think he lost a tiebreaker to De'Aaron Fox for me personally
0: yeah and Fox was incredible I mean you could put him uh, as your number five vote for MVP and I'd have no problem with it he's going to win the clutch player of the year award he's just been tremendous there and and that tells you how good Booker has been that he's being in the same conversation as De'Aaron Fox who helped the Sacramento Kings do a three seed but Booker kind of feels like the forgotten man right that like he can go and Mm -hmm. score 40 in a game like that is very possible and I'm just not sure how the Clippers stop him. I feel like that's going to be one of the biggest problems, Shane.
1: Oh, absolutely. Right. And, and I don't even think like hot take, I don't think it's even going to be with him on the ball per se. I, I could see scenarios where KD draws two. it's, you know, Ty throwing trap Cause we know Ty loves to do that. He, he tries to trap Dame Lillard at half court. Every time he mm-hmm. tries to trap Don Luca, uh, to get the ball out of his hands whenever, you know, uh, whenever it's, a. Uh, it's go time in the fourth quarter. I think if KD is cooking like and you have Booker on the on the weak side wing or weak side corner like and you trap uh KD like you're you're just asking for danger because you have Devin Booker who is going to either be catching and shooting uh, against a uh, scramble defense or attacking those closeouts and you're right. The Forgotten Man and I think he's okay with that in this series because he knows like let's be honest, if the if the Suns win the series, to me I think this is a tougher matchup. Maybe I'm wrong. I think Clippers are a tougher matchup than Denver for that team because like I, I, I see I see Devin Booker creating all kinds of mid range havoc against Denver if they get there. Um, I, I don't think he can do that. I don't think he's going to do that against the Clippers. I think Clippers have done a really good job of kind of shutting off the water of CP and Booker in the mid range pull ups. They've done a fairly good job of that. Um, where it's going to be really, really tough is like, okay, you, you have to send a little help to Durant at some point if he's killing you. And guess what? It's going to open up the floodgates elsewhere. I, I think Booker's going to have a highly efficient series. Maybe not. I think the the volume won't be what we're looking at. Remember, he, he and PG in game one went for like 40 a piece back and forth down the fourth quarter that that would have been so fun to see you're right if pg was in this series like Mm -hmm. that would be the matchup and 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 that neither of those two like each other so that would be even more fun but we don't have
0: it yeah, and I don't expect to see PG this series. I mean, Sham's had a non-update um, really to start the week. That, <laughs> That's
1: like the third non-update we've had.
0: Yeah, I just I, I just don't need it. The Clippers are a team that is not going to tell you anything about their star players more often than not. If they're not telling you anything, it means that the guy's going to be out for a while. I mean, we saw with Kawhi that he was really week to week, and all of a sudden, he had a torn ACL so I mean the the injury for PG could be tougher than we think um, or could be more serious than Mm -hmm. we think and he's just trying to come back from it for the playoff series so who knows we're not counting on him Um, lastly I want to talk about depth because you've talked about this a lot on Twitter in the last couple of days and you've said that depth isn't a huge thing and I agree with you because I've said on this podcast numerous Mm -hmm. times when people have said how the guys that are 9, 10, 11 on the Clippers, that they need to get playing time. Guys like Luke Kennard when he was on the team, for example. Um, Reggie Jackson, like how are you going to play all these guys? And I said, it doesn't matter. It's come playoff time, I really want to look at the top eight guys. And that's what matters to me is the guys are going to play off your bench. And for the Suns, we mentioned already Craig and Kogi, and so that gets you to six. And then you have Campaign who was a thorn in the Clippers' side, by the way, in that playoff series a couple of years ago. Like, I remember Payne having some moments in that series. He is certainly a guy that can cause problems. And then you've got their backup center. I mean, Jock Landale, or whatever, Jock Landale? Um, It's Jock Landale. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Jock Landale looked like a guy who was the center of the year um, in some moments against the Clippers. So here's the thing, is that The Clippers have guys that can make an impact off the bench. And I think that's going to be the difference between the Clippers and the Suns is that the Clippers have more impact guys off the bench. They have guys that they can throw at you for 30 minutes off the bench, whereas the Suns are going to rely more on their starters. The Clippers can go ahead and throw Norm Powell in there for 30 minutes. They can go ahead and they can throw Bones Highland in there for 25 minutes if he's having a good game. That is one thing the Clippers have. They have guys who can change a ball game off their bench, whereas the Suns don't really have that as much. I mentioned Terrence Ross as well. The rotations are going to be cut. I want to get your opinion on the Clippers' side, because I don't think we need to touch on the Suns much on their bench side, because they're really Mm -hmm. going to be reliant on their four-star players. For the Clippers, a lot of talk about Bones Highland. How much do you see him playing in, in a series like this? Because what I've said all along is that we may see games where he may not even play. He may play five minutes. He may not have much of an impact. But if the Clippers need energy, they need juice, and the starters aren't giving it to them, then all of a sudden you could see Bones Highland. You may see Bones Highland in an adjustment as the starter. If the Clippers go down 2-0 and Westbrook isn't giving the Clippers enough as a starter, you could see Bones Highland, for example, enter the starting lineup. I could see that type of adjustment. Where do you think he's going to make an impact in this series? Because he's a really tough guy to figure out on my end.
1: Oh yeah, like strictly minutes wise, not style or anything, but strictly minutes wise, I think he's this year's version of that of that uh Rondo or or Kennard role. Where remember Kennard didn't even play yeah uh, for that most of the map series right. Then he's automatically effective in what a game six or seven, um, maybe both. Like and and obviously like Rondo Rondo didn't even have like, like Ty was one of his best friends and Ty just sat home for (laughs) multiple big stretches of of that uh, playoff run. And I think that like, that's, you know, bones, like bones is going to, there's only going to be certain situations and I see him coming in. And if the Clippers are like, you know, struggling for energy, they're down double digits at the half, like they're not getting to the foul line. They need some juice. Like I can see them going to Bones and saying, Hey, like either get to the rim or, You know, you have a step back game. You have your your pull up game that's been pretty efficient with the Clippers, at least I think. Um, Decently efficient. He's shooting about 35% from three. It feels like it feels a little bit higher
0: than that. It's crazy. Well, he's had a couple Um, of really bad games, and then he had a couple of good games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could see him being that guy. And I think that, uh, I think he'd be better than obviously campaign because uh, it seems like Bones just gets where he wants to go. It c- campaigned like he doesn't really get to the rim and he settles for floaters or long jumpers too often. So, um, I, I like that aspect of it. But I'm, I'm kind of just riding on, I- I'm riding the way that he's not going to play that much. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe game one, game two, Bones is getting 20 minutes, 25 something I-, I don't know, man. But like, I think the Clippers have to just p- trust their top six. I, it's something I've always said, or it's something not, it's something I love from Pat Riley's quote, like where he's like, you know, in the playoffs you use eight, rotate seven, tr- uh, play six, trust five. Like you 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 slim down the rotation for a reason because there's a certain amount of people you can trust, and I, I I don't I don't think that I would trust Bones in this type of series where you have to be efficient every step of the way um and that but if they need the juice then he's he's the best option for it
0: okay so you mentioned top six and that number six guy would be norm powell and i purposely left off someone when i was describing the clippers um a couple of minutes ago and that's terrence Mann, and he has certainly been a guy that has provided juice and athleticism, and you and I have been on the same page about him for a long time, and we thought that he should have stayed as the starting point guard instead of the Clippers acquiring Westbrook. So where's his role in this series? Because it really feels like he can be a guy that can be thrown on Kevin Durant and cause him some problems, or even get thrown on a guy like Devin Booker, for example. So it's tough to balance, because... You and I yeah. have already mentioned how, hey, Plumley's going to relieve Zoo. You talked about Powell. We've talked about Highland. <laughs> we've talked about now Terrence Mann. So, how does he fit in this series? Because you can really only play eight or nine guys, and you can only really play probably three or four guys that 30 plus minutes. And so, are, where does Team Mann fit?
1: Yeah, I have to amend that. You know, top six. Obviously, it's seven with, yeah. with Terrence. I got to yeah. amend that. But, um, and honestly, like, like, we all know my stance on this. Like yeah. the top six for the Clippers, in my opinion, would not include Russell Westbrook. It would include Terrence Mann yeah. and and Norman Powell. Like that, that that Terrence would be the starter in my ideal world, but we don't live in that world. So, I think Terrence is going to be the second most imp- or third most important Clipper. Well, you know, I, in my opinion, because he because he has to kind of replicate the PG st- you can't even say that man. Cause the PG's production is just so un- ungodly, but I think on defense has to replicate that. Right. And that's something that we didn't, really, I didn't really think about when we were talking about Booker, maybe it's, maybe it's Terrence. Like maybe Terrence has to be mm-hmm. the guy, the guy that's guarding him. Maybe he has to start. I don't know, man. Like I, I think both of us would trust Terrence on Devin Booker more than Eric Gordon,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, but I also don't want Eric Gordon and Norm Powell coming off the bench together because all of a you're sudden right. you're, you're right. going to get crushed defensively. So
1: it, it, I think what we're getting to is it's it's a really tough decision by both coaches, but more so tight on how he mixes and matches. Because, like I said, I think Terrence should start from day one, but he's not. So uh, that's Eric now starting, and now Russ— I, I think rush should be starting but it is what it is it is what it is i think terrence is going to be vitally important um if they win the series it's because terrence is is matching josh akogi in terms of wide open shot making josh Kogi is going to get five threes a game it's what he's going to get i don't know if he's going to make them but he's going to get those at least five maybe more like terrence has to hit the open shots that he gets from all the attention Kawhi gets and he has to be the offensive rebounding guy like he has to he has to match that same type of role
0: by the way it could be man that starts in a series changer like let's say the Clippers go down 2-0 all of a sudden man could be the one that replaces Westbrook in the starting lineup or he replaces Eric Gordon in the starting lineup that's one thing the Clippers have the ability to do with all these guys that are really interchangeable in that they provide something different, but they can also be thrown off the bench or in the starting lineup is that Ty Lu can make adjustments. And he's shown that he'll make adjustments in a series. And listen, this has not been a good coaching year for Ty Lu. I thought he's made a lot of yeah. mistakes throughout the season, um, but he's also been dealing with a lot of crap off the court as well. Um, and w- whether it's with the front office or he's dealing with stuff with his family and deaths in his family, like it's been a really rough year for him. So it can't go too hard into him. But he's a guy that has shown in the playoffs that he can step up and he can make those adjustments. And he and Rick Carlisle were going mano a mano in some of those series, whether it was Carlisle throwing in Boban or the Clippers then going and benching Rondo <laughs> or starting Rondo. Like we saw a lot of fun back and forth. And so Monty Williams is a hell of a coach too. So it'll be interesting on the coaching side for sure, Shane. Yeah,
1: I, I think, I think Ty is going to have a good series from his, from from the standpoint of making the right decisions and, and hit, pushing the right buttons whenever they're down. But essentially I I just think they're going to lose the points per possession battle. Like they're just going to lose on the margins of, or not even on the margins. They're going to lose on talent, not having PG. Um, But it's, you know, people, I think the fans are going to try to, I I don't know. I don't know if they'll try to blame Ty or not, but I think he's going to coach a good series. He's always, he's always coached good in the playoff, coached well in the playoffs. So I think that's not going to change. It's just, he's going to have that built in excuse of, Hey man, like my all NBA or all defensive wing, that is six nine and can cloud Devin Booker's vision on some of these shots is not here.
0: (laughs) I just think the talent's going to be overwhelming on the sun side. So let's get into it. Let's get into the prediction. Let's close out the podcast with the prediction. Um, I'll give mine first. Um, Obviously I've been super negative this year in terms of the Clippers and I just don't see them flipping that switch. I, I just don't think that this team has been good enough this year in a consistent amount of games To show us they can do it in a playoff series, they're way too up and down, and I haven't really seen them put together two to three straight games against good teams that have actually had healthy lineups. And so, because of that, I'm taking the Suns in five. Um, What is your? Oh my gosh! Yeah, what's your prediction?
1: So I I was sitting here like I'm. I've been flirting with Suns in five for a while, but after I, man, like after after I dig into it and see how great Kawhi is in the playoffs. Mm I, I just, I, it won't allow me to do it. Like, I got to give them a couple games. And, and I never, I, when I came on this podcast, I didn't expect me to go six and you five. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I did a- not. But see, like, it, it, you're probably going to end up being right because the talent is going to be overwhelming. But um, I, I think the two wins the Clippers get, in my opinion, are going to be like close wins where you don't really feel good about it. Um, at all. And I think Phoenix bounced back, bounces back every time after a loss and, and they're going to smash them in the mouth. And and I see this culminating with like a, a big game six, uh, you know, win for Phoenix regardless. So, um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go game six, uh, and six, but I will ask you this. Like it's, it's actually hilarious how it kind of worked out this way, because let's just say in some world that the Clippers did win this series in like six or seven mm-hmm. Then you get the team that you have not beaten in two or three years in Denver. Yeah. Like, you, you beat the, you beat the like, the ultra, ultra talented Suns, who in theory should be, like, you know, the one or two seed. And now you have to play Denver. Like, it, it's a horrible road for, for the Clippers.
0: Oh, it's awful. It's awful. And that's why there's been so much talk about how the Clippers shouldn't have done what they did. And they should have gone ahead and lost and taken their chances maybe even in the play-in. Um, but you know what, the Clippers got to a point where they just uh, decided, you know what, let's get in the playoffs and let's figure it out afterwards. And I don't blame them at all. And so I I give credit to the Clippers for that. So we'll see how it shakes out, but it is, listen, Shane said sons and six and Devin Booker said Mm -hmm. that Shane knows ball. And so if Shane truly knows ball, then we'll see if that Prediction does come true. He does an incredible job for Forbes. Shane Young at Young MBA on Twitter. Always great having him on the pod. Shane, anything else you want to hit on? I think we're think we covered all of it.
1: I mean, until we get the film. I mean, man, once we get some film to to react to, then yeah, we'll do we'll do some more pods for sure. Because we got two weeks before the end of the series. It seems like. Yeah,
0: we'll see what happens. And uh, Shane and I were talking right before we started recording that. We have no idea in terms of what the series is going to look like, if it's going to be every other day, which I think the NBA wants to do, or if it's going to be perhaps a couple of extra days rest um, at some point, because we're recording this really during the uh, Lakers game. And if the Lakers do happen to lose this game, which I don't anticipate them doing, then all of a sudden they'll play on Friday. And that would put the Clippers and the Lakers both on Sunday and on the same exact schedule. So their NBA is going to have to do something about it. But I'd anticipate the Lakers, if they win today, then they would probably play, I think, on Saturday. Um, I don't know the exact schedule, if that's the case, With the two seed would play the seven seed. But if that does happen, then it would make things a lot easier. So we'll see how it goes. Um, we'll obviously have podcasts for you, hopefully after every single game. But this is going to be the preview podcast. So no more podcasts until we actually get basketball games. So I hope you enjoyed this one because I thought this was probably the best podcast we've had all season. We really covered everything from A to Z, like I said. So Shane, it's been a pleasure, man. And uh, I appreciate everything you've done for us this season and uh, enjoy the playoffs, dude. Thanks for having me on for a handful of
1: times, man. It's been a blast, and uh, yeah, maybe one of those days we'll run into each other in L.A.
0: Yeah, one of these days we'll figure it out <laughs> where we can actually uh, meet up in person. But yeah. until then, yeah. we'll have to just keep doing this virtually and uh, enjoying each other's soothing voices. I said to you, I'll just, keep, oh, I love that ahead. southern drawl, man. You got to keep it. I, I know you want to get rid of it, but and you because you're gonna move to the west coast eventually. But just keep it, man. It's what it, it's what makes you. You got to take it and enjoy it. People are gonna be like, who's this who's this hick from Kentucky or who's this hick from Tennessee? <laughs> hey, <laughs> listen, he you he, he provide great insight, so who cares what the uh the sound is. I think it sounds great. So Shane I appreciate having me, man. I love having you on, man, at Young NBA on Twitter. So this is the end of the pod. If you can rate and review greatly would be appreciated give us that five star rating review the pod as well at bd marcus is my twitter handle of course i mentioned a couple times at young mba for shane my other co-host matt 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 warren on twitter as well it's the ethos clippers podcast at ethos clips on twitter until next time or until after game one he's shane i'm brandon and go clips